Welcome to the San Antonio FC Fancast. Uh, I'm out of breath. Um, how's everyone doing? <laughs> Hope everyone's doing well on this Sunday. Season right around the corner. Um, Is it? I'm going to, mm, I don't know, maybe. I'm going to shoot it off to Harry, though. Harry, fire away, <laughs> my guy. Well, with San Antonio FC, you would never know. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, joining me tonight, Rafa, how are you? I know you've spent uh, a week down in uh, south-south Texas. Uh, Hopefully you return home and uh, can enjoy the comforts of your home for at least a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I'm back from my week-long trip to to Laredo, then Victoria, then back over here. I was at the ATC Center doing a college fair and then back came back got to sleep in my bed finally after three weeks on the road so but i'm back at the ground again those uh those those miles for you know for those vacations when you actually want to go on vacation uh the hotel perks are along those lines here royce how are you uh you did the great intro here um you mentioned that you're outside a lot today on this beautiful day before it gets super hot here in texas uh, well, it's already spoiler alert. It's already pretty hot. Um, the temperature said 75, but it felt like 90 in the direct sunlight. Yeah, it was 83, um, 85 late, late this afternoon. Uh, gross. It, it, was um, a, it was 100 in Laredo on Thursday. <laughs> so I had to survive that. That's why you shouldn't live in Laredo. I don't get why people live in Laredo. It's ridiculous. And then in Del Rio, it's going to be 110 in what, like two hours? Tomorrow. So, in April. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so ridiculous, man. Um, no, yesterday... Um, once again, I volunteered to do a uh, a charity barbecue for the Boys and Girls Clubs, uh, Boys and Girls Clubs and the Salvation Army at a local club. Um, and we did like a little, uh, got together with some sports radio person, local sports radio personalities. And they did a, I set up an all sports combine bit and it ended in hilarity and just as awkward and non-athletic as you can imagine. And it was fun though, but I was in the sun for four or five hours yesterday. And then I was in the sun for voluntarily well maybe an hour a couple hours in the heat of the day with my kid just playing soccer so i'm uh i'm beat sun's already getting to me and it's it's march that's it's gross that's not how it should be but it is what it is so it's getting we're here and then yep to me uh one of the great minds of usl uh mr john morrissey uh let me go run through his uh Intro here, it might take about 10 minutes, but uh, he's on the USL show with the great Kaler, Ryan, uh, Phil, and and a bunch of others that that rotate there. Uh, Generally, they air uh, Tuesdays, I believe it's at 8 o'clock Central Time uh, for that here. It's a good hour, hour and a half, two hours, depending on how long Kaler wants to uh, be in the uh, minivan for that here. Uh, He's also a contributor of The Backhield, which is a new website for this year. Uh, well, I guess it started end of last year. Oh, no, it started this year here. Yeah, mid, live this midway year. through last year, now subscription. Yep. So, but when, when subscription, uh, to me, it's well worth it for the price of $5. You get great coverage from Mr. Joe Lowry, uh, who covers everything great, uh, especially uh, MLS, which we don't talk a lot about uh, here in San Antonio for obvious reasons. Uh, but U.S. men's national teams, he is one of the go-tos for that. Uh, Ariana uh, Kaskani, and I'm sorry if I missed your mispronounced your name for NWSL and U.S. Uh, women's national team. And John, uh, with uh, Mr. USL Championship, uh, your rankings and all that stuff, 
um, is going behind the paywall this year for well-deserved for all the time and efforts. And I think you say it's 4,000 words uh, just in that one article uh, every week uh, where you talk about everybody here. And then to me, an added bonus that I don't think gets advertised uh, enough is they do a podcast, a daily podcast. It's about 10 to 15 minutes generally, uh, as well as you can get on most of your major podcast networks. So, John, welcome. Um, I won't take issue with your offseason rankings, a C, but, uh, you know, you know, we're not Detroit, so we're not going to go that far. Right. <laughs> well, no, I appreciate the very kind intro. I'm excited to be here to talk. The C was before uh, I heard about the signing that I'm not going to be saying publicly because I'll let say. the team have some shine Spo- on that. Spoiler but, alert. Yeah, some some good news coming in the week before the season starts here. Well, they better. We, uh, right. I said last week that they would do two to three signings last week. And San Antonio said, well, yeah, no, that's not happening. And they did do a jersey. What jersey. they did. What they did was they said, oh, Harry said we're going to do something. Yeah, we're not going to do that thing. We're, we're going to hold off on that. No, thank you. Pretty much. <laughs> so. And, hey, maybe this thing uh, fell apart with, like, visa issues or something. I don't know with this league, but. The, the, once again, spoiler alert. Um, and, and one of the interesting things, you you bring this up. Uh, we did have it on. We had it on good word. We had photographic evidence that San Antonio was going to sign um, a very experienced MLS uh, fullback and center back hybrid. And he ended up signing with FC Dallas. So Sam Junka. Yeah. Yeah. And these things, these things kind of happen whenever San Antonio FC is trying to sign that player from a cut above. So I had, I had heard about a midfielder from Orlando who, I mean, maybe they announced it this week, but it seemingly fell through in the last couple of months. So lots of that apparently. Yeah. That, like I said, that's what happens when you try to get that player from a cut above. A lot right. of competition in there. So, so yeah. So, John, we're going to be kind of doing kind of a preview here. Do you want to start? And I guess the question is for, for Royce and Rafa do we want to start San Antonio specific or do we want to kind of start kind of league wide, you know, kind of get his perspective, uh, you know, just overall, you know, we start on the east and then move to the west? Um, you guys want to start locally or you want to start nationally and then come back to locally? Let's get the SAFC stuff out of the way. And then we'll, we'll finish up with the, uh, the meat and potatoes of this podcast, which should be, well, the, we'll start with the meat and potatoes and then we'll get to the nice fine dessert of the actual discussion and, and, and why we're, why we're really here and why all the listeners need to listen to this, including Kayler and his truck. So, um, let's start off with the, uh, he's in a truck. (laughs) Kayler's Kayler's always in his truck. Oh, I thought it was a minivan. Is it a minivan? You could have fooled me Dude. either way. Dude, could've as much me. room as he's got, you know, he's there. got these multi screens up there. You know what? I have a I have a Toyota Tundra. Might as well be a minivan. So uh, what are we talking about? Um there's so much room in that truck, it's ridiculous. So let's go with the uh the preseason final, the or the final preseason warm-up friendly match that we had on Saturday against Houston Dynamo 2. Um, I will give you all of the information that we know from this match, according to the social media, uh, the press release from SAFC, and the non-existent press release from Houston Dynamo 2. Uh, San Antonio FC gave away a penalty in the 32nd minute to Houston Dynamo 2, which was converted. And David Loera scored a screamer in the 83rd minute to tie it up. That's all we know. That's all we know. But we are going to use the 
film that, or the video that was released. 18 seconds. That 18 second <laughs> film clip that was released <laughs> or the David Loera goal. And we're going to give you the entire second half uh, lineup for all the outfielders. Goalkeeper, uh, shrug. I don't know if it was Mercado or if it was, uh, uh, if it was um, uh, far. Good Lord. How did I forget about far? Um, but we do know we do know just about all ten of the uh, outfield players, and we will go through them Zapruder like. But first, let's enjoy this unbelievable top ninety goal from David Laura. And this is uh, through SAFC's uh, Twitter uh, account here. Shannon Gomez going up the middle, passing on to Loera on the left side of the box, and just an unbelievable right-footed strike in the top corner. I don't know why he had to nope. beat it out. Yeah, they beeped out more than half of this video for various cursing. Okay, so let's break this down photo by photo. Harry, if you can bring up the first one. So in the very first one, this is Loera going back on a celebration. You can see to the left of him, number 17, that is Kamarni Smith right there. We believe. New, si new signing. On the right, you could see number 11 there, Justin Dillon. So we have Justin Dillon and Kamarni Smith as a strike duo pair, uh, strike pair duo up front. Let's go to the next one. Now you can see just to the right of Davi Loera, there's Christian Pirano way out on the right, on the right wing. And it's kind of looking like, well, if there's two strikers, they're probably going to have five in the midfield. But I don't know if that's happening. And we'll continue to show why. So right now we have Kamarni Smith. We have JD up front. We have Loero taking the shot. And we have uh, Pirano way out to the right. Now the next photo is going to show a mystery player. I don't know who this is by the ref. I can't tell. It's too blurry. The, photo, the video goes by too fast. I can't tell who that is. I don't think that's Drew Henson. Or Hanson, excuse me. Uh, not Drew. Nico. Nico Hanson. Why do I keep calling? Who is Drew Hanson? I keep calling him. Used to be a baseball player. A player. Is that it? Yeah. Is that it? That, yeah. that you know what? He was Check what number one pick of the Yankees, I think, back mm -hmm. in the day. Uh, well, he also out. played quarterback with uh, Michigan. Michigan, right? He was a. I think he was a dual sport. Oh, uh, dual sport. So that's why I have but anyway. That's that's aging yourself. Apology. Yep. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm not that old, but I'm old. Um, but it might be Nico Hansen. I'm not sure. Um, it. I don't think that's Juan Carlos Asokar. I don't know who that is, though. It could be a trialist. We don't know yet. But to the right of Davi Loera right now, the assist getter on this goal is Shannon Gomez right there coming up the middle from I would project the from right from the right back position. Next one. Oh, Drew Henson also played quarterback for your Dallas Cowboys. Oh, disgusting. Okay. Then, excuse me. I, I don't want to, I don't want to affiliate Nico with any Dallas Cowboy apologies of the highest order. Okay. So now we get uh, back to the back line in the midfield. You have PC right there. PC's obviously in the midfield. Loera comes up, celebrates with Roman Holt, who's a center back. And then you have Connor Maloney, who's also going to come and, and celebrate with uh, Davi Loera. And I'm assuming uh, that's the first picture. Yeah, I'm assuming Davi Loera is on the left. Uh, I'm Davi Loera. I'm assuming Connor Maloney is the left back in this, and then you see uh, Fabian Garcia going off to the side. So I'm so that is all the players. So there is not three center backs in that. There's only two. So I'm assuming that San Antonio FC is lined up in a four four two, 
which we have seen with Marcina in the past, especially in the preseason. He likes to go with a 4-4-2 in the preseason. Um, last year, it's what we ran out against Austin. Um, and, a, and there was another team that we ran a 4-4-2. But it looks like it was Garcia and Holt. And then on the outside, probably Shannon, Connor Maloney. In the middle, I'm assuming you had uh, PC. Um, possibly, I'm guessing Loera. Maybe Loera was on the left and came in. Uh, Piranha was probably the right wing. And then that mystery player was that extra midfielder next to PC. So I'm not sure who that is. Um, could have been that Orlando City midfielder, possibly. And then um, ahead of them uh, were um, Kamarni Smith and JD. So we have the outfield lineup via Zapruder-like film breakdown there. You're welcome. Um, but that's pretty much all we have. We have two goals that were scored, and then we have the the breakdown of the lineup that we had to do based on the video. So that's all we know from that friendly. So yeah, no lineups, no nothing. This, probably, this time here is good old CIA like, sounds, Spurs again. Sounds like they were playing a diamond in the middle, in the mid. Could be. Probably PC was a holding holding mid, and Loreo was your attacking mid. Shannon probably on the left or right, and Pirano left or right. It very well could be on the on the wings. I think that's probably what the what the formation that four four two there was put a diamond shape in the middle. Very well could be that I would not doubt that, and that's kind of that 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 diamond shape is kind of a hybrid four two three one, which is also a hybrid four three three, which is all kind of fluid mm -hmm. in the same thing. So, hey, it could be. Find and that out all when, we'll find out next so, Saturday. That's correct. We will find out. <laughs> that's one hundred percent correct. And that's kind of what it seems like. I mean, last year, I know that's exactly what happened. We saw a lot of, there's a lot of head scratching. Um, I mean, last year, and this is kind of my, hey, don't panic. It's okay kind of speech, mainly to Harry. Um, this is a therapy session for Harry. Uh, last, <laughs> last year, um, last year, the final preseason match that everyone's looking forward to. Ooh, we finally get to see. San Antonio FC go against go one on one against a rival in the preseason. Let's see where they're at this season. Last season was exciting. We'll see. They and Marcina goes eh, Academy kids. Let's go get ninety minutes out there, and they get they get trounced seven nothing against El Paso. And everyone's like, "What is Marcina doing?" He has a track record of not giving a flying anything about preseason. He just wants hey, business, and that's it. What's up? Hey Jose, you know because he said Chill Harry and Marcina we trust. <laughs> Back in the version when we had you on, I'm consistent. <laughs> I will say though, uh, Marcy Nation, salute. <laughs> I believe in Alan Marcina. We got we, you know, five trophies, five trophies. We're fine, we're fine. And that Loera goal, gorgeous, Mwah. gorgeous. Yeah, it's. What I mean, what are you gonna say? What, what are you gonna say? Uh, the XG on that shot, I'm sure, John, to go down this very, very, very stupid and unnecessary uh tunnel. Um, very low XG on that shot, but good yeah. lord, quality. Yeah. The curve on that thing, beautiful, ridiculous, ridiculous. Uh, we can go over the Mag Magnus effect if you want to. I can find the formula in my uh, old physics notes. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, if we're gonna if if we're gonna you know fall into our category of being nerds, Harry, I'll bring all the nerd you want, but um, 
Well, that's why you have it here. It's the the, analy the okay. analytics, which John okay. is really great at, at breaking down the numbers, looking at the numbers. Rafa's good on it from the coaching aspect, and, and you're kind of our numbers guy, and, and I'm the fan that's, you know, hey, oh, my God, the sky is falling. <laughs> it works. You know what? Fair. Okay. Um, <laughs> courage the cowardly dog. There you go. Um, so uh, our next topic, that's a preseason friendly. That's about as much as a breakdown as we could possibly do. We got 16 minutes. You know what? That's not bad for. There wasn't even there wasn't even a tweet. Or no, it was two tweets. It was up. Oh, they converted penalty. Up, oh, we scored. Up, oh, here's a video. Done. So, anyway, moving on. Probably the biggest topic that we're going to talk about, uh, besides John being here, uh, just in the regular meat and potatoes, is Saturday. This coming Saturday, six days away, season opener, title defense begins. Um, against Oakland. Can, can I interrupt ahead. you before you do that? You we do have to kind of go over, because uh, it is kit season, using, oh, using a USL right. soccer terms. Yeah. Uh, the big thing from San Antonio this week uh, was the red out kit uh, under the red bridge here, or red tunnel, pardon me, uh, for that here. So thoughts? Um, I like it. AJ liked it. This is the shirt we ordered for AJ uh for you know for this year here so Rafa, did, royce you're, uh, I, you're the uh, kit guys real quick i did see some people talk about this kit um that they went to the soccer factory to look at and it did not look like the photos so buyer beware check it out before you buy it um uh, so you're saying the RGV, you're disappointed it's the well, rgv kit it, it, it's the RGV kit. Well, it is the RGV season. kit. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. But like I said, this is the men in black. You know what the difference between me and you is? I make this look <laughs> good, and that looks a lot better than that white, orange, blue <laughs> tragedy they had. So this looks really nice. Um, but go look at it before you purchase it. I, My suspicion is that Soccer Factory got some of the very first runs of the making and like the stars too close to the crest and some of the some of the spotting is a little off but i think the latter um the latter ones that come in uh once they kind of get that process right i think they'll look a lot better than the than the first run i think hold off on the first run uh but but like i said go look at the soccer factory and see if you can find one that looks nice uh rafa what are what's your your take on the on the red out kit it's, it's different i mean I was expecting maybe something, maybe all silver, kind of with like the lighter color. But hey, I'm I'm cool with the red, uh, different something different this year than the all white that we normally do. But uh, I did hear something about the jersey was sixty bucks about some code, and I didn't get no code about that. And where was the STM? Better send me the code so I can get it for sixty bucks. I think that was the first. The first one was sixty bucks. The uh, one with the yeah, vertical stripe with the star. That, that was the home that kit, was the primary kit is okay. 60 if, if you're yeah, a season so ticket was, member. Was, someone was spreading that rumor about the red one. We'll see. We'll find we'll find out later more who's who who was spreading it. But I do like the kit. Um I can only imagine the third kit what's gonna look like, what color it would be. It would probably be the fiesta, maybe the fiesta colors. Who knows? Yeah, like Jose <laughs> said, better than the white kit. We'll wait for the new fiesta kit. So maybe it'll be it'll be like the Spurs one that, We're not that, doing that teal color jersey. 
but we're playing during Fiesta. <laughs> Twice. Yeah. Two matches in Fiesta. So hopefully, I really hope they, they do sort something out. I got two points on this. Number one, I think this is a jersey that and a kit that's going to grow on you. Um, I think this is going to be a lot like the checkers when they first came out, when the checker first came out, uh, when me and my kid introduced it, you're welcome, everyone. Um, everyone is kind of like, okay, okay. All right. And then as the season, as the season, well, as the season went on, everyone's like, okay, this is, this is what we need to do from now on, which I would like them to bring back the, you know, a, a variation of the checker design. I know, um, I think it was Hester or maybe it was, um, uh, or maybe it was Aaron Flynn that was making more of the checkers, but those looked amazing in San Antonio slash Puma. You should look into those. Um, at the same rate for anybody wondering that is a real tunnel that is not color edited or anything. That is the, that is the tone of that tunnel. And that is on the river walk downtown. So, um, it's pretty cool that, they did a red out kit. They found the red tunnel. Very city centric. I like it. John, what are your thoughts on this kit? Yeah, I mean, lacking some of the local context and opinions on past years, I just like it as a kit. Like, that's something I would buy and wear if I had the budget room for it. I'll probably scan the league to see is there something that's a little bit more appealing, but it's up there. Subscribe to Blackfield. Subscribe to Blackfield. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, get that $5 subscription in and make sure I'm getting this red kit. I I will say, well, a couple things. I will say one of my favorite kits that I've seen that's that's been announced in USL. Um, Let's not talk about that other money-grabbing league, but um, the USL kits, the Oakland Roots um, special kit that they came out with. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I really like their kit. Um, and the second thing, your um, your colleague on backheeled, uh, Joe, one of his colleagues on the Total Soccer Show, Graham Ruthven, huge kit guy. So I'm wondering if if this is a um, a order or pass for him. So because he is a a kit sicko for sure. So, but we'll see. Get sick, it would burn a hole in your wallet across the span of U.S. soccer. You know, well, it he's more of a world soccer kit guy, and that right. is a huge question that they always ask him. How do you afford these things, dude? Right. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know how people afford to keep themselves in the new SAFC kits. I'm, I'm more of a polo. I'm a more of a polo shirt guy myself, and I'm still struggling to to keep up with my polo game. So this is from. Yeah, you got the Nike. You're two years is, behind. Yeah, this is like, no, this is straight up from like 2018, 2019. Like, yeah, I got my uh, lacking. There you go. 2018 20, season 2018. ticket membership. I recognize that one. Yeah, <laughs> I remember getting that one. Uh, San Antonio FC, none this year. Disappointing. We won't go well, well it, it wasn't, they didn't make a dedicated STM one. What they did was they gave you the home jersey at cost if you were to order it. That was the compromise, yeah. was we're not going to pay. Instead, the the club is gonna take care of the soccer factory. So, the club paid what a hundred dollars, uh, or not a hundred dollars. They paid about forty dollars per jersey to let you have it at cost. That was the compromise, and I like that compromise. I just I, I didn't like how that kit looked, and then looking at how it fits, I should have bought one. Buyer, you know, buyer's remorse. That's kind of how that goes. So moving on here. So my first question to you, John. Uh, kind of looking at the, you know, from the off season to the new season, San Antonio FC brings back its core. 
with the exception of uh, Santiago Patino, who went to Avaya FC in Brazil, and the other big loss, which was to be expected, Sam and Dinneran, uh returned back to the uh, Sounders, went to St. Louis FC, and congratulations to him uh, last night uh, making his first appearance in the undefeated uh, St. Louis FC uh, for that here. They keep uh, getting uh, the opposing team passing them the ball to where they can get a one-on-one -on -one go figure. Uh, but uh, so to me, the big, the big question mark for San Antonio FC is how do they fill that, fill those, fill those roles? Because that's what goals six and Dinneran had 10, 16 goals uh, for a team that, they put up numbers, but not at not you know not at a high frequency. Uh, we'll just say. Yeah, I mean, I think you're trusting Justin Dillon, who played a lot, obviously, but was very much in rotation with the other strikers for a good portion of the season to take a step up. Same for Ballone. Um Obviously, at least last year, this was a team that used three forwards, quote unquote, a lot of the time. That took the form of two strikers and more of a creative midfielder type. I would maybe look towards two of those creative sorts of players and one proper striker for a lot of this season. Uh, Pirano coming back is a big deal in that regard. Uh, I think Loera resigning, he's somebody who obviously is more of a number 10. Kamarni Smith, having watched him a bit in uh, Loudoun, he plays almost like this wide forward role. He's not a proper number nine in my estimation. So it's going to be a bit of a different look and you're trying to diversify more. These are players across the board that have come in who are pretty good on the ball. They're pretty quick in transition. So I think it's going to be more variety than anything else this year in comparison. Yeah, and last season, uh, definitely uh, JD Justin Dillon was really utilized, uh, kind of out wide over yeah. being a, a true number nine, and he's more in a pressing role in a in a in a providing role, um, especially as we saw for um, if anybody wants to relive the magic of the Austin FC uh, defeat at Toyota Field, uh, Justin Dillon got the pass from way out wide. Uh, made a couple fake moves and then crossed it into Elliot Collier, who's now with San Diego, and he uh, he flicked it into to the corner, which Elliot Collier in that number nine role could be um, theoretically theoretically switched out seamlessly with Nacho Bailone. They kind of have the same physical aspects. Collier has more um, he would more dribble, so there's that. So that may be. That's kind of why I was thinking Elliot Collier was more of a, uh, or a Kamarni Smith was more of an Elliot Collier kind of switch where they lost Collier. Hey, we need a, a tall guy that could play striker a little bit, but mostly can dribble up. And I think that's Kamarni's role as well as uh, Nico. Uh, Nico Hansen kind of does a yeah. similar thing. Um, but yeah, that was, that's definitely a question. Um, uh, going into the season, obviously the preseason, we haven't scored a lot. Uh, one of the takeaways that I had from the preseason was a tweet that I screenshotted and, and I, I kind of made a deal of was um, against El Paso. They had like four or five straight tweets of great save, great block, great save, great block. And then the next one was Mitch Tainer um, tries from just outside the 18 and shoots one off the crossbar, which tells me, A, San Antonio FC is obviously dominating. They're on the front foot. And B, for Tainter to have to take a shot 
they're pretty desperate for some uh, for some offense and see Mitch get that shot down so it'll go in the goal. But um, I, w- I would agree. I think that is obviously the biggest question mark going into the season. I agree with you that it's offense. I think defense and midfield setup, I think we're fine. Uh, I think we've only improved in that um, in that aspect. Yes, we're missing um, um, Kamiri. Uh, that's that's a pretty huge miss, but at the same time, we got Ed, we have Michael Edwards, and I think Michael Edwards and Kamiri have a lot of the same physical act- attributes, especially being tall, a lot of the clearances, and Michael Edwards is also 22. He's you know four or five years younger, so his body will be in in a bit better shape um, as far as that goes. Um, and then the midfield still going to be you know the rotation of PC um, Abu and Maloney uh, out on the wings. We obviously have. Um, improved with one Carlos Osokar, which I still can't believe that happened. That's an insane move. Um, and, but going forward, that is going to be the question mark. And man, we'll see. But the question I had for you to open things up, let's kind of get the big picture thing. Obviously, we've had a lot of huge changes in the West. We're going to mostly just focus on the West. Um, what team had the biggest improvement? in the West, what team had the biggest downgrade in the West, uh, in your opinion, John? That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, Harry is hitting on it. There's no doubt in my mind that the switchbacks took a bigger step back than anybody else. This is a team that was third place in the West last year. I know Haji Berry left mid season, but that still counts as a departure. Michigalina is gone. Cam Lindley who made an all league team is gone. I mean, Brendan Burke getting sold for a transfer fee to go be an assistant in MLS is a huge deal as well. They didn't rest on their laurels. They're probably going to start nine new players come week one, and that's including Patrick Segrist, uh, Speedy Williams, who are top-end USL players on their day. But I think overall, if you look at the group that they've brought in, it's a lot of slower sorts of pieces, people who are maybe past their prime in this league. They don't have a number nine who I think is going to get more than six or seven goals confidently. And when this team has been effective in the past, they've played with tempo. They've really got out their hard press, getting on the counter. None of those facets of their identity fit with this team. So I think there are so many question marks and I think that they're going to be pretty terrible this year, if we're being frank. Yeah, and they also lost um, their most important defensive piece last year to, uh, or from last year. He uh, went to, um, uh, oh, San Antonio, Michael Edwards. So, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, well, they brought in uh, James Musa from Phoenix to replace him. Phoenix, of course, horrid on defense last year. And Musa, if you talk to people behind the scenes, was the subject of a lot of blame for that. So, Wolf. Yeah. Wolf. To, to me, and, and this is the reason why I say it's Colorado Springs, when I look at when San Antonio lost to Orange County, they kept its core and built on the court. So they built that foundation forward for that here. To me, it seems like Colorado Springs, even before some of the announcements, it was like, hey, we're bringing in big name, big name, big name. But you, to me, I didn't see a clear identity of, hey, the, you know, how how are we improving? Yeah, you're bringing in names. And then, of course, the bottom fell out with, with Burke being transferred to Houston. To me, that 
you know, you know, following USL to me, that's the disappointing side because you could have seen, you know, Colorado, you know, if you're a Colorado Springs fan, see them take that next step like San Antonio did, um, like Phoenix did, you know, previously, you know, during their heydays uh, for that here where they were so close, they kept its core and they built on it, not, hey, let's, let's, let's hit the reset button. And I think that's why I think for me, um, you know, they probably won't finish last, uh, you know, for their, I do think, uh, you know, but I don't, to me, I don't know if I have them in the playoffs at this point, which is something I don't think you would have said at the end of last year. Yeah. Rafa, any questions for John that you have uh, for either the league, San Antonio, anything along those lines to, you know, get you involved a little bit? Yeah. Who, who, John, who do you think is the, the biggest dark horse for, for both the Eastern and Western Conference? That's a good one. In terms of people sleeping on a team that I think is going to make an improvement, Monterey Bay probably stands out in the West. They missed the playoffs last year, but so much of it was because they dug that hole. They started the season with seven straight games on the road when their stadium was getting finished. That is so demoralizing, and they lost six out of those seven games. I remember San Antonio smashing them early on in the season, I think. Yeah. We're, um, well, we were yeah. at the last game. So right. it was like six, nothing. And, and you could tell that they were checked out and they were ready to go home. Uh, yeah. It just, yeah, it the was three, three of the three of the six goals were scored in the final 10 minutes, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And even our left back ended up getting a goal. So yeah, not ideal uh, performance for them. Yeah. But after that point, they played, at a points per game earned pace that would have put them into the playoffs in games where they had Hugh Roberts and Kai green starting as their defensive duo. They were really hard to score on. And then late in the season, the offense finally clicked. They kind of leaned into the counter with Sam Gleadle, who obviously would be familiar. And then Chase Spoon as sort of these aggressive wingers playing with a lot of tempo and they doubled down on that approach. They've added Alex Dixon uh, from Pittsburgh. He's constantly a double-digit goal and assist guy. He fills that same sort of rollout wide, and they strengthen the core so that if one of Roberts or Green goes down, they have depth at center back. So take a team that probably would be playoff fringe, double down on the tactics with some really talented players. I think that they're going to be a much better team and much more dangerous than they were. Um, in terms of the East, in turn, uh, a team that took a step up, I think you have to point to Indy 11. There are some questions in terms of the depth, in terms of the age of the guys that they brought in, but with Aiden Quinn, Sebastian Guanzati, Cam Lindley, Jack Blake, there is so much talent there. It just makes sense with what Mark Lowry tries to do with that high possession, diamond midfield sort of style. I'm buying in on the fact that they're a playoff team at a minimum. I think that they're jumping over Detroit, certainly, and that would put them into the playoffs because eight teams make the playoffs. So that's where I'm at. And if those players do come good, they have the talent to, if not challenge Louisville and Tampa Bay, be right beneath them in that third place slot in the East. And I think a big thing for uh, Indy that's, uh, I mean, unfortunately going to help them I don't need to disparage Indy at all, but Fernandez's injury with Tampa Bay, I think that's really going to help Indy close that gap, and that's, that's really going to help. Yeah, that's really going to help Louisville kind of dominate the East. So, 
Um, also uh, noted uh, former SAFC player, Cam Lindley, former SAFC player, Kai Green, former okay. FCFC player, Sam Gleadle. Shout out to y'all. Um, so real quick, we have the biggest uh, improvement in the East. We have the biggest downgrade in the West. Who's the, who's the, and the dark horse is going to be Monterey. Who had the biggest improvement in the West and who had the biggest downgrade in the East? Improvement in the West. Boy, I'm between Orange County and Phoenix. And just to summarize real quick, I mean, Phoenix was what uh, a kind of a mess last year. The defensive errors were constant. I think it went a little bit undercovered that Juan Guerra really righted the ship at the end of the season. And he's completely transformed this team. They only brought back five or six guys who played real minutes last year. Um, they had a good preseason. If you think about like Danny Trejo is going to add so much in that attack. Fede Varela in the midfield is one to watch out for. Really special player with uh, experience across the higher divisions in Europe. Orange County, they were another team that went from obviously a very defense first approach. First to worst. First right, to worst. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Title winner to dead last in the West. And it was because they were a mess in defense. So you're getting back Rob Kiernan, who started every game down the stretch when they won the title. You've added Andrew Fox, who's been a stalwart for years in El Paso. Owen Lamb is going to play fullback. He was 30-plus games in L.A. for the past handful of years. There's a lot of talent in attack as well. Milan Olaski won the Golden Boot for a reason. He's really good. They got Among. Uh, they got Mark McNulty, who played in Europa League games in Scotland. So even if some of these players don't quite hit, they've got enough lottery tickets that I think there's going to be something a lot more coherent here for them. So those would be the two in the West. Um, an Eastern team that's taken a step back would be Pittsburgh or Detroit for me. And I like to hammer in on Detroit, I guess, because it's a very much a love-hate relationship between me and those folks. But Antoine Hopano led the league in assists. He's in Hartford. Declan Wynn had more assists than any defender. He's off to Charleston. Uh, Brad Dunwell went to USL League One, so that's really all of your depth at the number six spot out. And they kind of added nothing. Adrian Bilhart, for instance, like coming from League One, he was the comeback player of the year. Is that enough to make a difference when you're losing some of the better attackers in the league? They got a guy from Loudoun. They got a player from Ipswich Town in England who has 300 minutes played and one goal in his career. And that's your solution at the number nine. I'm iffy on it. Devin Ambimensa starting the year hurt as well in defense is a huge deal. I know that the Northern Guard folks don't like to hear it, but I'm out on this team. To be fair, they don't like to hear anything, but yeah, right. fair enough. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, Pittsburgh has definitely seemed to go with the uh, Las Vegas lights route and just kind of yeah. have random announcements of, oh yeah, we did this, by the way. It's like, you still have like 10 people to sign for a full roster. So we're- they signed eight players last week, which is crazy. Yeah. Well, there you go. See? Oh, Under wow. The radar. Yeah. There you go. To me, if Pittsburgh didn't have Bob Lilly- we would right. hold them in a lot lower regard, but because they have Bob Lilly, we inflate what they, um, you know, you know, the value of the team for a good but reason. I though. wonder for a good reason, right? But 
and, and I know Mongols has kind of hinted at this, uh, you know, who, who does a great job covering the river hounds. I wonder if the hot seat starts to warm uh, for, you know, for, you know, for coach Lilly, you know, he's, a, he's a goat, you know, he's all of that, but you know, in, in true Pittsburgh doesn't, you know, Pittsburgh's like Colorado spring doesn't have the highest, you know, wage bill along those lines here, yeah. but you, you just don't see that turnover. I don't really see the Academy coming in for them, which is kind of surprisingly because I think they do have a good, you know, you know, a lot, a lot of soccer around them. So Pittsburgh's the one to me, even more than Detroit, that I think that you that you that you see take the drop the drop here. Yeah, with you on that. Um, talking to the academy, they've had a couple of prospects come up through that who've never really broken through into the first team. Um, Wyatt Borso is coming to mind. He's an attacking mid, probably nineteen twenty by now. He got a lot of hype and never quite broke through. But then Lily every year signs two or three players like from the University of Pittsburgh or something and turns them into competent pros. So I'm not really <laughs> seeing why the disconnect is there, but yeah. And then Jose had a question that was going to be mine. Uh, not necessarily a prediction on the Copa Teos, but uh, obviously we've talked San Antonio, but you know El Paso yeah. with all the changes that they've had, new coaches, Kind of did Phoenix where they rotated a lot of players out. And shockingly, RGV's kind of done the opposite where they kept a good core. Um, I don't know how much better they are going to be, but they are not going to be worse uh, than what right. they were last year. And, you know, for that year. So, which, you know, if you listen to Down in the Valley is a great thing for there. If you listen to Seriously Loco, there's a lot of questions. Like It's like they flipped the roles, in, in my opinion, on, on, mm-hmm. on roles as far as the Copa Teos teams. But your thoughts on RGV and El Paso? RGV is a team that I'm looking at, and I don't really see a scenario where they miss the playoffs. They, I mean, every year that Wilma Cabrera has been in charge, they've been in. They did lose a handful of players. Like I'm thinking about uh, Fjellberg going back to Indy, Ikaza going to uh, Charleston. They made some good pickups to really fill in for that, though. Like Cristiano Francois, say what you will about a bad season with the locomotive. He's proven at this level. Um, I'm, I'm something Benitez coming in at left back with Liga MX experience. There are much. They made a couple of additions late on in the offseason from, I mean, picking apart the carcasses of the MLS affiliates, who I think are going to make a big difference in terms of depth. And then uh, the permanent transfer of Christian Pinzon coming into the forward line is crucial. So in Copa uh, Tejas terms, they're definitely a step behind San Antonio, but they feel very rock solid in the playoff picture. El Paso, if I had to look at the USL as a whole, is the team that I have the least solid read on. They could be in competition for home field advantage. They could be out of the playoffs by a mile, and I wouldn't be surprised either way. I did listen to that uh, serious lo- Seriously Loco interview with Brian uh, Clairhope this past week, and he seems like he's a manager who wants to counterpress you. He wants to keep control of the ball, which fits in with the philosophy we've seen from this club in the past couple of years, but... There's definitely, based on his experience in Sweden, a bit more pragmatism. I'm not a huge fan of what they did with the roster this offseason. When you're losing your Dylan Merez, uh, Richie Ryan, Andrew Fox, I could go on. 
Mark Navarro coming in with La Liga experience is cool, but there are just enough unknown quantities in there and a lack of a clear vision from Claire Haute in terms of like the shape and the tactics that I probably have them last comfortably in the Copa Teos picture and outside of the playoffs in my predictions. And I think the worst thing that uh, El Paso did this season was they kept Yuma. So uh, we hate them anyway. Um, also shout out. Uh, we're talking about RGV podcast. Shout out to uh, El Gringo. Let's talk RGV uh, with the shadow wolf. Uh, the uh, what does he have? Uh, Der USL podcast. So the there's a German guy that covers uh, USL and RGV. So definitely give him a listen as well as we're trying to get trying to promote, you know, a high tide raises all ships. Um, let's see. What was uh, what was the last? Oh, um, how do you see the? Uh, let's go super adventurous. Let's go top four. How do you see the top four in the West um, playing out this season? Yeah. So San Antonio first, pretty comfortably. They did it last season. We did they not pay back. him. Everybody. We did not pay yeah. him. Okay. <laughs> Well, if you look at my uh, predictive like points model beyond the eye test, it has San Antonio 10 points above every single other team in the USL, which is... I That's mean, on the low than, end. Yeah. It's on the low end. Right. We know. It's okay. <laughs> you got to make it look a little competitive. That's fine. It's a conservative model, and it just loves everything about this team. Um, I do have San Diego second. They lost uh, Kyle Vassell, who was their leading scorer last year and contributed a lot in terms of holdup and all of that sort of thing. They weirdly, they announced, I think, 17 players coming back right away in the offseason, and then slowly a handful of them continued to kind of leave. I mentioned Jack Blake going to Indy. Uh, Thomas Among, I think I mentioned OC. earlier going to OC, went, to OC. Just yeah. this week. Went, went down the road to OC they're, they're yeah argu- arguably though their biggest loss is uh Landon Donovan's no longer on the coaching staff so man that's really woof he did everything that, that, for that that's, team that's he definitely was, he he definitely was not yeah. he definitely was not just a face and a name to their coaching staff at all uh so yeah woof, Landy Cakes that's a tough loss I mean replacing him with Nate Miller who is kind of fantastic. He got his uh, U.S. Soccer A badge this offseason. That's a big deal. Joe Corona with 30 national camps. And the weirdly unconfirmed, but everyone knows it's happening, Ronaldo Damas thing, a big deal as well and totally makes up for the losses at striker. They finish second, and they're going to be there again. So Uh, third, I'm probably looking at Sacramento. They were third or fourth last year. Losing Dan Casey is the big one, but they replaced him with three other center backs who are every bit as good. Russell Cicerone coming in at forward to replace Malik Foster is a huge deal. Cicerone, he got a dozen goals each of the last two years in Pittsburgh. He also plays that pressing style well, which is so important to the identity that this team has. I love that pickup. He's a, I mean, he's a Bob Lilly disciple. I mean, you can't go wrong there. Absolutely. And they still have Roro. I mean, Roro last season was unreal. So, yeah. He's timeless. Yeah. And if I'm going fourth, gun to my head, I'm picking Phoenix. I think that they're really going to take a step up. If anyone else does it, I would say Monterey Bay. 
with apologies to New Mexico, who doesn't have the firepower, even with Santimar coming back. See, that was that was uh, that's interesting to me because I figured, yeah, maybe New Mexico would be up there. Uh, OC, I think, is improved from yeah. they've realized their mistakes. But you're going uh, Phoenix and uh, yeah, um, and and Sacramento is, is three and four. That's interesting. And then the other, I'm not going to ask you about the bottom four because that is a crapshoot at this point because of how much turnover there was in the West. Absolutely. But I agree on number one and number one by a mile, uh, SAFC for sure. And the East, what do you think the East top four is going to look like? Do you think it's going to be the usual suspects or do you think there's going to be a huge change with um, Indy 11 bringing back the, or putting together again, the 2018 all league team um, or uh, and do you think the Fernandez injury is really going to hamper um, Tampa Bay's chances at, uh, at getting in the top four? I mean, I should throw in a word for Louisville as the obvious number one, just because they deserve it. I spent a decent portion of the offseason worried about the defensive depth. Um, everyone knows that Josh Winder is going to be sold this summer for a whole lot of money, and they didn't do anything about that for a hot minute. And then they poached Jordan Scarlett, who started pretty much every game for the Rowdies last season, to be yeah. just the backup left center back, which is crazy. That's a very San Antonio FC move for sure to go. Yeah. Oh, that one Carlos Sosokar guy that's really killed us at RGV, really killed us at Oakland Roots. Let's go get him. That'll, that'll be fine. Yeah. Very, um, you know, very Cold War, stronger getting stronger. So strong getting yeah. stronger. So agreed. Yeah, and then, I mean, that naturally leads into the Rowdies where Scarlett left. I still think they're safely the number two team in this conference, but they are a step behind Louisville. Losing Fernandez is big. I mean, Jake LaCava is gone to MLS. Lawrence Wyke from the back line went to Nashville. That said, they did a lot to replace these players. Uh, Forrest Lasso, three-time Defender of the Year, coming back, massive. Poaching Connor Sparrow in goal from Miami was a big deal. He's somebody that numerically, data-wise, reads is consistently a top two, three goalie in this league. Um, and then in the forward line, Cal Jennings, who's been a beast for Las Vegas, even though Las Vegas has been bad. And J.J. Williams, who puts up goals, even though he's kind of been all across the board the past couple of years. They've got a lot of depth in the midfield as well. They're... They're safe, even if they maybe don't have it to beat Louisville in a playoff context, but never say never. It gets muddier behind this for sure. Birmingham is probably my third team here. They kept a lot of the core. I mean, you're losing Johnny Dean to MLS. Hey, I'm, I'm Kaler pilled on this one, but Bruno Lapa's Yeah, I think you're Kaler influenced. <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely lost Dean and they got... Um... Uh, Nico Brett back, didn't they, from uh, yeah. New Mexico, which obviously he was not happy in New Mexico, which, to right. be honest with you, who would be happy in New Mexico? I mean, come on. The thing of it was that Brett started last season really nicely in New Mexico. and then, Oh, I'm, I'm talking about yeah. living, not playing in oh, New no, Mexico. I'm talking about yeah. living in New Mexico. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they also got Tyler Pasher, who tore the league apart a couple of years ago with Indy. So that's well, big. He he had a few good games early and then he kind of got shut he down. Tore the league apart for half a season. Yeah. And he yeah. really leaned on Cam Lindley to cover for his, uh, uh, 
let's say weak defensive um responsibilities so yeah. i think cam lindley covered a lot for pasher and let pasher go wherever he needed to so if birmingham has a very strong six then he can go wreak all the havoc he wants but if they don't it's going to be very much a I'll, I'll make this a san antonio thing it's very much going to be having jack barnby in the midfield where barnby is going to go forward and then just leave everything exposed behind him so yeah so we'll see what happens with that you're making the right point though in that this team has no depth in their defense at all they signed three college kids this offseason who they're expecting to make the leap but if they have any injuries it's going to be a debacle for them two teams that you haven't mentioned out east um yes and charleston last yeah. year was horrible was but they brought pick. in brought in ben pyramid and then the sneaky pick to me is Hartford. I it could just be that you know Papano is kind of like Rojo out out of you know out of Sacramento when when he yeah. went to RGV. RGV all of a sudden became a competent team. To me, having him with Hartford with you know bringing in Alva Samo, who um, uh, we've experienced his pain when he was with RGV. He did well in Colorado Springs, you know, for that in, in the three headed monster. To me, Hartford and Charleston, I don't think they can close the gap on Tampa because I do think Tampa, if they get pushed, will bring in the depth that's needed to be able to, to maintain maintain that second seed. But I look for both Char uh, Charleston and Hartford to make a huge push, into, in, I think, into the top four um, out east. I know you, you favor Indy. I worry about the depth. I worry about the age. I worry about injuries. Yeah. Um, you've, I worry you know, about that here. For, for Indy, I worry about the age and the injuries on turf for the whole season. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's going to fare well for them. But stranger things have happened. Cam Lindley looked strong and healthy on turf in Colorado Springs. So, yeah. hey, you never know. But it's coconut turf in Colorado Springs. I, well, I, the, yeah. It sounds delicious, but I don't know what that means. <laughs> Do, do you think they have the chemistry? And do you have the chemistry to kind of get it going, or you think it's going to take a while for them? I think the benefit of bringing in these veteran players, it can go the one way where they're a bit slow and a bit prone to injury, but they're also very smart. They know how to play the game in this league, and they can mesh quickly. And that's sort of my concern when I'm thinking about these Charleston and Hartford teams. Hartford is the one where I've really got my doubts on will this rebuild pay off. I like a lot of what they did in attack, but they were scoring goals for fun at the end of last season under Tab Ramos when they, they changed up formations, they played with two number 10s, and they were still just bleeding out in the back. Matt Sheldon, Niall Logue, um, Tristan Hodge are all veterans of the USL that they've brought in to fix the defense. None of those players are particularly great at actually defending. They're sort of initiators with the ball at their feet. And then Richard Sanchez, who's going to be the starting goalkeeper, presumably, looked terrible by the numbers. He's a, a favorite of Tab Ramos, but I don't trust him. Charleston, I'm a lot more sold on what they're doing. Part of it is that they had the worst goalkeeping in the league outside of Orange County last year, and they brought in someone very competent in Trey Muse. So you're saving probably 10 goals just from that. They strengthen the defense with guys like AJ Cochran. 
Um, I'm a huge fan of Emilio Casa uh, coming in at the number 10 spot. I mentioned Declan Wynn. Some of the additions are a little bit less flashy, but Ben Pierman's strength as a coach is turning players that you maybe think are mediocre into real stars who are making an impact. So there's this implicit buy-in to what he's doing, and I think that they are in the playoffs for my taste. But I do want to say, actually, my fourth team in the conference is Memphis, even though they changed coaches. They're keeping, yeah. Stephen Glass is terrible. I will say that. But Memphis, I, yeah. Memphis went through a whole, oh man, even more so than Colorado, Colorado Springs. I think Memphis is going to be the Colorado Springs of the East, where it's just like, what happened? What is but the raw? They're keeping wow. nine out, nine out of their eleven starters are back for a team that finished third. Yeah, I mean. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see at the same rate. Memphis surprised everybody by being as strong as they were last season, right? And crap, and and was that the coach? Was that yes, the coach? Yes, co- yeah. Right, it's right. coaching, right? Coach is going to be the big difference and the style I, play of two. Bob Lilly. Yeah, all right. So we'll finish things up. Um, with the uh, the, the last question here, we'll bring it back to SAFC. What roster moves do you think need to happen for SAFC to really solidify their um their title defense yeah i mean pretty easy one for me a number another number six type just another defensive midfielder to really shore up the depth at that spot i think pc and abu are amazing maloney obviously covers there pretty easily he can plug in any spot in this team pretty comfortably but it gives you more versatility to put Maloney at a fullback spot, push Azakar higher up the pitch if you want. Being able to have different formations, deploy players in different ways is really valuable. This is a very heavy schedule. Guys like PC are getting up there in age and have a history of injury. So getting the insurance there is the one thing that I think this team needs. Fair enough. And I will kind of agree with you. Um, I mean, Maloney and PC, I believe they're both between 26 and 29, kind of in their later twenties. Uh, Abu is on the wrong side of 30. I think he's 31. So yeah, yeah definitely. And last season we had Jordy DeLim in the playoff run and he was a completely um, unsung hero. Um, in that lineup, especially when PC went down with his rib and spleen rupture, um, Delim came in and and played his butt off for the for the last the last two matches and and really solidified the midfield uh, in our in our charge of the championship. So uh, I will completely agree with that one. Um, and yeah, I I think we will look forward to possibly one, maybe two. Signing announcements in this last week leading up. Uh, we know San Antonio FC typically typically likes to have 20 players, and then they'll do five academy players typically. We've met the five academy players at our um, season ticket member um, open practice. Uh, Willow was there. Um, man, see, I'm going to forget everybody. Roman, we saw Roman Holt, um, which is the, or the GM's son, who is also going to play for San Diego State University. Um, he may. Well, he is committed to San Diego State University. Sorry, I, I should clarify that. 
Uh, absolutely, because a letter of letter of intent is a letter of intent. It is not a contract. Um, so Roman uh, Willow will be out there. Um, let's see. I, I can't think. There's a there's a left That's back, right. and then and then we have a midfielder um, of the academy players, and we'll probably have an academy uh, goalkeeper again. Probably Jude will will probably be back kind of in that third role. But um, right now our roster's at 17, 18? 17. At 17. So uh, one of those was supposed to be Sam Junkwa, so maybe they're looking for another. But we should expect it. two signings this week. Knock on wood. Can't say anything because they, they – Yeah, that's correct. Thing. Harry, don't say anything. I'll say everything because what I say <laughs> when I wear my socks because they work normally comes true. Um, I, I will say I, I held my tongue on the – frame by frame, but I think one of the guys that I've heard about was the player that you the spotlighted. Uh, yeah, the mystery guy. So. Uh, uh, let, let, me, let, me ask, let me ask John yes, this but We have to be careful because the last time we identified <laughs> somebody in the picture, Correct. Correct. they uh, magically got signed by FC Dallas. It's very obvious that FC <laughs> Dallas watches our pod to be like, oh, hey, that guy's available. Oh, let's go get that guy. So, And then hey, MLS uh, hey, makes up a role yeah. saying, first refusal, hey, Dallas uh, Houston 75,000. How, how does that work? It is announced that Sam Junkwa has refused to sign an extension with Houston Dynamo and is looking elsewhere. And he signs somewhere else. And he's still bound Ruined to a contract with Houston yeah. Dynamo. Right. The MLS makes up their rules. Uh, and it's, oh, God, I, I can't stand that. Let's, it's, let's move forward. Move forward. So I do have one question for you before we let you out of here, uh, John. Um, Obviously, Joshua Winder's the next big, big youngster to to take the next step. Do you have any thoughts on who, you know, who, you know, who would be that next person behind him that could be making the move, whether it's MLS or, uh, you know, Europe, anything along those lines uh, that that's caught your attention as far as for, you know, a, a young, young player. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I mean, not to spoil the news, but Orange County has a player making a move in the near future. Elsewhere there, though, I would focus on Corede Oshindina, uh, US U20 national. He on the slide made 18 appearances for them last year in the attacking uh, positions really sharp winger good with the ball at his feet didn't get any goals last year i believe but he's been really good in the international circuit in that regard Uh, and then fidel barajas for charleston i think he's 17 and he's gonna get some real minutes at wing back in attack uh he interestingly is a dual national and has played for both mexico and the u.s mexico most recently Racking up goals at the U seventeen. Rafa, stay away. Rafa, stay away. <laughs> hey, they 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 won the Concacaf. Remember? Yeah. When Barajas was all over the scoreboard for them, so he's really a player that's special. Uh, much like Oshindina, he got some time at the end of last year, so one to watch. Uh, third name, just because Christopher Pearson, who's a number six for Tulsa, uh, just in conversations with some people around there. They didn't expect him to really get minutes this season, and he might start week one. He's had a massive preseason. Uh, he could get some appearances for Jamaica in the near future if he continues to excel. And then Orange County just uh, announced a new, um, 
a club affiliation with which Feyenoord and uh, Feyenoord. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The, in in the Dutch league. So, and they've had uh, an agreement with, was it Rangers uh, FC in in Scotland? So they really, yeah. So they really seem to be, um, um, for sure getting affiliated with European because obviously European clubs are looking at USL Mm -hmm. because, as we've seen in the past, it is much easier to get a transfer from USL than it is from the other league. So they yeah. would obviously prefer to do business there. Um, and at the same rate, uh, we're excited. This is a U- more of a USL announcement than anything, but Sunderland is coming in to the United States this summer. They're going to play San Antonio FC. They'll play New Mexico on their baseball field. We'll see how they appreciate that. <laughs> and they're going to play uh, North Carolina FC. So that is a pretty exciting development for the USL to bring a possible uh, Premier League team um, to come do some summer training. So that's what are your thoughts on that? Um, as far as hopefully that's kind of a, a continuing thing that that clubs from from abroad continue to do. No, I think it's cool. I mean, it's a little bit weird in terms of the timing for USL clubs, just because it is midseason. But say what you will about the attention people pay to English lower division soccer against American soccer. But every time a club announced friendly against Sunderland, it got major eyeballs. It was all over whatever internet source you're looking at. It's a good way to grow the game and get attention locally amongst those European fans. So I'm here for it. And I think it's good for the growth of the game. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I think it's going to be awesome to see, obviously, San Antonio in the past. We've had uh, friendlies against a lot of Mexican uh, Mexican league teams. Uh, Santos Laguna, we played a lot. Uh, last year was San Luis uh, Potosi. Um, and then um, we've also had Cardiff City from uh, Premier League team slash championship team um, come and uh, uh, have a friendly with us. Unfortunately, our pitch wasn't in the best shape, so I'm hoping for uh, a little bit better uh, this season, but uh, John, thank you very much uh, for being on with us. Um, go check him out you, at USL Tactics on Twitter. Check him out on Backheeled. Subscribe to Backheeled. Subscribe five dollars um, a month. Come on, people. Also subscribe to the USL show. He could be uh, seen on the yeah. USL show quite a bit. Um, his work is always great. It, it, it's his work's always appreciated. Always great. I listen to it all the time and. And his uh, his breakdowns uh, for tactics and his breakdown for the numbers, they make me want to be better with the information that I provide. So I really appreciate that, uh, John, for you setting that bar so high. Um, uh, Rafa, Harry, do you all have anything else? No, I, I just want to thank you, John, like I said, for all the work that mm-hmm. you do. And, and like I said, obviously, you know, I'm a huge supporter of what you do uh, you know, for here. And like I said, anything that we can do to help you out. Uh, even even get into uh, Twitter wars with uh, you know uh, Detroit fans. I'm down for that. Uh, for that here, <laughs> I love you, Red. Uh, you know, in, in, uh, in the 451 podcast, but uh, you know, along those lines, Detroit's a special breed. We'll we'll, we'll just uh, we'll, we'll just leave uh, leave it at that. But uh, they're the um, little Caesars of the USL. <laughs> <laughs> All I know Don't is tweet that at me. If, Don't tweet at me. <laughs> if, if Detroit does make the playoffs this year. It's, it's because Maxi Rodriguez is unbelievable and he deserves yes, an MVP. This is so point. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why. San Antonio's if, if they do, yeah, if if they do make the playoffs, like I said here, 
I think that'll be a bigger story this year than, than last year. Cause I thought last year yeah. you know, they had, they had a USL championship team. And like you, I do think that they took a step back. Uh, but more importantly, I think other teams in the East have took a step forward, like Tulsa, yeah. which we haven't, we didn't even get to talk much about. I think the uh, big, John, I, real quick, I think the biggest step forward in the East is uh, near Gredibles 2 is not there anymore. And Loudon is independently owned. So I think that, that that'll is, be, that'll be an interesting twist in the East. Every sure. team in the East, but Pittsburgh and Detroit improved. So yeah. it's going to be tough. Every yeah. team. Speaking of that, with Loudon, <laughs> well, yeah, you're you, good. You're I good. wanted to touch on Loudon earlier, but it's Loudon. So I was like, if there's a subject we're not going to do, but since you brought it up, how do you think them going independent will, will, will help them? Cause it does seem like they still have some ties to yeah. uh, DC United. So, you know, you know, it's almost like an RGV type relationship when they were with the dynamo a little bit. Um, but just kind of your thoughts and, you know, if you can't say anything, you can't say anything. Cause I do know that, you know, you have better connections uh, just with the league and, you know, I don't want to do, you know, burn anything along those lines, but just your thought on how loud and going independent kind of changes things for them going forward. This year is definitely transitional. They've got four, five, six players who are on season long lungs from DC. They didn't quite know when the ownership thing was going to happen. And so it affected what they were doing in terms of those player signings and announcements. I think they're going to be bad, frankly, in 2023, but I think there's a lot to look forward to. Um, their shared ownership with the, I believe, AAA baseball team in the area. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's a positive to have an ownership group that's local and focused on making this team competitive rather than making this team a vessel for the development of DC United's prospects. So... I would look out for higher profile additions, a little bit more spending, probably next off season. But if they can keep Ryan Martin around, who I think is the most underrated manager in the USL, it's going to be very interesting to see where they go in the near future. Your uh, final thoughts, Rafa, uh, to John? Uh, I was just going to ask him, is there one player that maybe SAFC, well, that's available that would, take SAFC to the next level. Like still that's still a lot there that maybe we were missing. To to no, to repeat. Yeah, no, that's a good one. I'm trying to think just think of like USL free agents who could maybe make a mm -hmm. difference. Obviously that number six spot is what I was thinking about in terms of a player. I'm pulling up my I have that stupid informal list. Um well, I'm going to zag a little bit and just point out that Arturo Rodriguez uh, from Phoenix is still available. I think that's I right. Probably hyped him up yeah. as like a loose MVP candidate last year, which yeah. obviously didn't bear any fruit. But he's someone who was excellent with North Texas, came up in that Dallas system, which has been pretty prolific. He give, he's more of a number eight than I think he gets credit for at times. And so he can add a different dimension compared to a lot of players in this squad. So he would maybe be the difference maker that I would point to right now. And I think that would also maybe pivot towards more of a, just play a back four, move one of those very technically able central defenders into a pivot kind of role. So that would well, be my guy. Well, last year we definitely did have another uh, number eight that came from North Texas that played really well with us. And that's Nikki Hernandez. Yeah. 
and nobody knows where Bring he's him at. Home. Yeah. 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 Nobody knows where he's at. That's the problem. We've seen done some social media stalking and yeah. we've seen him, um, war, uh, you know, warming up with the, an arena soccer team up in the DFW area. Played with the feeder. Played with Seriously? the feeders. Yeah. Jeez. So mm-hmm. he, he was so good. He was team. unbelievable. That's what we're saying. Like, what happened? FC Dallas refused to re sign him. He's not playing North Texas anymore. San Antonio FC's. Well, they're radio silent, so who knows what's going yeah. on? But yeah, that's been a that's been a mystery for us. So yeah, and that would be that would be a player that would fill it. It would fill a midfield need for sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So shrug. That's all I got. Well, let's um, try take two on the uh, on the farewell. <laughs> so that's kind of what we do. It's it's you know we try to we try to follow a run sheet. It's optional. And, uh, yeah, we. Uh, I mean, I, I'm on a podcast <laughs> hosted by Kaylor Hodges. I know how that goes. You know, God, <laughs> Kaylor, once again, just getting sideswiped on this podcast. Again, I hope he a, listens. Yeah. <laughs> that is a, a feature of this one. All right. Well, thank you, John. Rafa, thank you. Harry, thank you. Um, once again, Saturday. Can't wait to see all y'all. Uh, Crocketeers uh, slash 210 Alliance slash. Go to the tailgates. The, 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 yeah, all, you know, the uh, mentioned that all the right. ta- supporter groups are going to be having tailgate. Oh, go ahead, Rafa. Good. I was going to say just final one final thought. Just want to put that out there. For those watching, you know, uh, so make sure to go to the GoFundMe for Victoria Mendez from oh, yeah. Kettle Mills High School. Uh, go, please donate for her. You know, she had a real serious accident at a game. So I just want to do a shout out for her, you know, and her family to help, you know, go help on her GoFundMe page. For, for sure, Mills. we're we're, we're going to post that on our on our Twitter, and we'll post it on the Facebook. I'll try to go share it. Um, yeah, middle school soccer player um, had a very serious oh, injury. High uh, was it middle school? Or, it was high school. High okay, school. High, high school, school soccer yeah. player had a very serious um, a head injury, and she will be in the hospital for a for a good while. Is, is what her prognosis is looking like. So two to three weeks, uh, and she's got to relearn how to walk. And it's, right, it's, it's so one of those unfortunate events that that uh, you know one in a million while you're on the pitch. Absolutely. So prayers up to her and her family. Uh, we're thinking of y'all. Um, and at the same time, like I said, we'll repost the um, uh, we'll re- repost that uh, GoFundMe information. But um, thank y'all for joining. Um, once again, tailgate starts at four um, on Saturday. Looking forward to seeing all y'all. Uh, kickoffs at seven thirty. Um, come by and say hi if you see any of us at the uh, at the tailgate. Uh, John, thanks for coming on. Um, and what's life without goals? We'll see y'all. And support Backhild and John and Joe Lowry, if you can, please. And uh, thank you for tuning in and hope everybody has a great day. Good night.